What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, we're Carlene and Jill, hosts of Breaking Beauty Podcast, the show all about the breakthrough people, products, and moments in beauty. On our show, you're going to find hella inspiring guests like Emily Weiss of Glossier, and you'll get beauty tips galore from the top pros in the industry, like Kim Kardashian's makeup guru, and you'll hear skincare secrets from the likes of Dr. Pimple Popper. Plus, you'll get shopping help with our Damn Goods episodes, where we review the latest products hitting store shelves to let you know what's actually worth your money. Listen every Wednesday to Breaking Beauty Podcast. So nice to meet you. We have a lot yes. of mutual friends. Big fan of your fucking engagement party. I'm Declan. The dress? Thank you. You could just feel how fun your party was. It was a good time. It has a good story behind it, too. What's the story? My dad and I made a deal that he could invite whoever he wanted to the engagement party so that I could have a small wedding. And so he literally invited everyone. He even invited his fucking foot doctor. Like, this party was packed. A boom, boom. Boom, his foot doctor was there, living his best life. Rock is a Oh my God. I can't express enough how great of a bargain it is for anybody who's like stressed about their parents taking over their wedding. We took it from 8 p.m. until 2 in the morning, just cocktails. Come when you want, leave when you want, stay and have a good time. It was like, ended up being like 400 people. And then you get to have a small wedding? You get to have a small wedding. How yeah. small? Like 100 people. That's still a giant wedding. Is it? Yeah. So 100 people. 100 people. How many did you have at your wedding? 100. 100, yeah. Yeah. But you know, it was hard. Yeah. Now also, it's so funny how like, we've had so many of the same best friends forever. But it's really funny how even five years ago, I'm like, damn, like now, like certain relationships have just gotten so much deeper. And it's so crazy to see the people that like weren't there that like now would be there right now, especially my husband, like living in L.A. for like he had only he hadn't lived here for that long. Now he has deep, deep, deep friendships. I couldn't get it to 100 now. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, like, I, I mean, I don't even know when my wedding is going to be, but every venue we're looking at is small. And so like, I'm like terrified of getting there but I am going to have to make some tough decisions. Do you feel like planning your wedding is not as stressful as it would be if you didn't have the job that you have? Like you're used to production. Oh yeah. I mean, that's a great question. I think I felt that with the engagement party. I was like, oh, this is fun. Like I have floral vendors. I already know like who I'm going to have as a DJ. Like it was very like, I knew that every single person I had as a part of this event was going to be super thoughtful, intentional, was going to be a woman or POC. And I already had that roster of people because mm-hmm. of the work. So it wasn't stressful at all. I do have a lot of empathy for 
people who have none of that experience, it's got to feel so big. Well, you also are, you've been a project manager since like, right? I mean, and you have grit, which like a lot yeah. of brides have never really like had a lot of grit in their life, nor have you, unless it's your job, have like managed projects. And it yeah. really is, a, it's, it's the whole thing is really managing a project oh, yeah. and people and outsourcing and knowing how to communicate what you want and ask for the deep, you know, it's like, or translating a vision to your, like, like, I had mood boards, honey. I had mood board after mood board Mm -hmm. and I was sending it around. I was like, this is exactly what I want to the T. Like, this is the inspiration. If you have never done that before, I get how brides become the fight. I get it too, especially if you know, like you have had the pleasure of working with certain vendors before. But if I work with a vendor that I don't know, I know from failing for clients that like, I need an example of what your flower arrangement looks like. Yeah, like Cause we could right. say we're on the same page and you could give me something totally. that's completely through your lens that has nothing to do with what I said. Nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so true. It's so true. So, okay. Yeah. Getting back to you. I love how you talk about Brown as somebody who like, I, I, everyone I know that has gone to Brown are like some of my favorite people in the world. Oh, I love hearing that. Yeah. Yeah. My friend Keith, there's something so special about that school. I love it more and more the further I am away from it. It's not funny because you must just appreciate it so much. Oh, definitely. Like I was a wildly depressed college kid. I was like one of those kids that like you could have sent me anywhere and I would have been like, who am I? Like I just was <laughs> like, I could run in any school. I was going through it. 18 yeah. to 21. It's the worst. Yourself out. Oh, terrible. And Brown, it's not a school with a lot of direction. And so... At the time, I felt super lost. I have no advisor. I have no direction here at all. But in the end, in hindsight, I'm like, that's exactly what I needed because I got to Brown as an economics major and I left as a film. So like I needed that space to not know what the hell I was doing and to get lost. And that school provided me that freedom, which a lot of colleges don't, right? You get stuck in this back and then you end up with a degree and then you have a second life crisis at 22, 23 of like, is this what I want to do with my life? I have so many family members going through this right now. And it, yeah. transferring is also so hard, especially so hard. financially. Yeah. Like those credits don't transfer over. Like you're just losing years and tens of thousands of dollars. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But no, in hindsight, I like, I look back on it now and I'm like, oh, I loved Brown. And my dad like will spit out his drink. He was like, are you fucking kidding me? He was like, you called me miserable every fucking week. Yeah. He was like, you hated it when you were there. And I'm like, Shh. I loved it. What does your dad do? He's an investment banker. Both my parents Both are. Both your investment. parents are, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. They're Where do they live? My dad recently moved to Coconut Grove, Miami. He's living his best fucking life. That's the best. That's it. That's it. He, re- he retired and moved down to Miami. And like, wow, he's thriving. I'm so happy for him. That's so cool. And my mom lives on the Upper East Side of New York and she'll she, never, never. No, she shouldn't. Why would you? Never. So you had a slew of internships, which I love. One of them being like the, at Nylon, which was the coolest oh. thing. Or how old are you? Or I think we're the same age. I'm 32. Ugh, I'm older than you. God damn it. <laughs> I just increasingly getting older and it's odd. I think that I'm 30. Oh, I always, I'm 30 in my head. Always. Turning 37 on Sunday, pushing fucking 40. Beautiful. Honestly, like someone said this to me and they're like, getting older is a gift. Not everyone gets that opportunity. And that lives rent free. Oh, it's so nice. I'm very excited to be a woman in her 40s, but I do feel like the transition out of 30 is, is just like a little, you're just like a little, it's going to be sticky for a couple of years until I just deep dive in and I'm like, you know, 
backflipping in my 40s, yeah. just like I am woman, like no big uh, deal. Yeah, yeah. But it's still yeah. a little. Anyway, I digress. I brought up my age because not many of us, I have like a lot of younger listeners, don't understand like nylon was like the biggest deal. It it was. And I got paid $12 a day. <laughs> yeah, duh. <laughs> I, that was what it was. You could legally get away with that shit back then. Mm-hmm. Well done. That is and so I funny. Would, I would lose money working there because I was had to take the subway with the garment bags everywhere. And like eight subway rides later was $16. So I yeah. actually lost money as an intern. Crazy. What were your other internships? God, I, w- I really took, and for your younger in- listeners, especially those who are in college. I think this is so important. Every summer trying something radically different. Because I wanted to make sure, again, I was a lost, lost college kid. And so I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. One summer I did casting as a casting intern. I did that too. So Warner Brothers, oh my God, that was like fascinating. Watched so many awful auditions for Gossip Girl, but really loved it. I did a summer as an intern at Milk Studios in the equipment room, which I loved. I was wanted to ask you about that because I don't think anybody understands, like it's a few people who understand how like savage... Savage. The equipment room is at milk. Oh, savage. But I went through a phase of like, I want to be a photographer. And everyone's like, well, you need to like know how to properly build a set. And like, if you're going to learn how to be an, you know, a photographer, like you got to get a job at, at milk. Yeah. So I emailed their like info at milk jobs dot com. Oh, like totally yeah. blind. Like, hey, I mean, can you imagine like a, a woman from Brown University? They're like, you sure? Like, OK, bitch, like, come on. Can, like, clean the lenses, please. <laughs> It was an amazing summer. I mean, milk at that time was the at its best, yeah. you know. Every major magazine and brand was filled, was shooting there every day. Also, and it was just, my mind was just blown as like a 19-year-old working there. Walking down the halls of milk is so exceptional. Oh, it was the best. And I had an amazing summer. I did decide afterwards I did not want to be a photographer because I was like, I have to do how many years of this physical labor before I like become yeah. a to a big photographer and then I got to be an assistant for 10 years before I get my first job. I was like, no fucking mm. way. I don't think it's like that anymore. But at that time, I not. yeah, I guess no, I think you just like post your cool photos on Instagram. Yeah. I hired uh, someone last week for a shoot for me and I was like, her Instagram photos oh are cool. Oh my God. Yeah, of course. Of course. You don't but have to before go. it was like you had to, there was like the people who assisted, it was like the studio manager yes. and then the photographer and then like the three assistants for yes. 10 years. That would be the crew. 10 years, 10 Years and most of these major photographers now were assistants to like the Testinos and the Webers yeah. of the world, right? And that's like how the whole industry operated. But yes, you're so right; it radically changed. So I did milk? I did nylon one summer, which like I really hated. <laughs> just the most. It was just carrying around garment bags. Oh, all, so bad. Like made me not want to work in fashion. That drew really, into fashion like, is brutal. Again, not something you have to do anymore because you just post no. your stuff on Instagram. But it was bad. Yeah, or you can hire Uber Messenger. You know what I mean? Like yeah, you can outsource. For the interns. And I had a couple more, but those are the ones that like really stood out and they were all radically different. And mm-hmm. so when I meet these kids and they're like, okay, what? I've got to do four years at this point. I'm like, no, just try it. Because when you, if you try it, when you graduate, you'll be like, okay, I tried casting. I tried the equipment room. I tried fashion. I tried whatever else I interned in. And you know what? This was my favorite. Or I realized I don't like these things. Mm-hmm. That is so valuable to know what doesn't work for you is as valuable as knowing what does work for I you. I said, could not agree more. I'm so shocked that everybody tries to build this path for them that's so concise. It's almost yeah. like being in a relationship when you've never dated other people before. 
and you end up breaking up because you're like, I don't know what's out there. Like you do that with your job so often. Also, I'm sure you learn things from casting and you learn things from night. Like you bring all that experience into your next job. 100%. I can't recommend it enough. Even if it was hard, it was worth every second. Highlights of my youth. Yeah, because it's hard, but it's like fun and it's tiring. And then you go out at night and you're like, like you see shit and you get to know people in the industry that you end up starting your careers with. I mean, completely. there's so many people that I met in the halls of milk that like are now my peers professionally now. And so, you know, so cool when you're like, oh, how do we meet? Wait a second. We met doing da 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 like 15 years ago. And you're like, wow. It's so cool to see how everybody's careers have grown and how really really makes a lot of sense to be nice to everybody because you never know who you're going to be working with. Be nice and get to know people. Mm -hmm. Like network because that is that's that's the network. That's the network. It's like if you're a bitch no one wants to hang out with you. Sucks Mm -hmm. but it's not worth it. I don't ever understand that strategy. Rude people I don't understand the strategy. (laughs) Like what do you want out of this? I know I don't either because you're going to get rude back and then your whole day is going to feel sticky. And if you just have like yes. light interactions, it's just like nice energetically, you know. Oh, Got to kill people with kindness, as they say. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm here to shout parallel from the rooftops again because it's just my favorite. It's the first and only OBGYN founded vitamin offering targeted daily vitamin packs for all the stages of a woman's hormonal life from supporting your menstrual cycle into trying to get pregnant into pregnancy through postpartum and into early motherhood. They work with an incredible team of world-class doctors and leading experts to review all of their product formulas and their latest launch has me just like over the moon. They just launched the cycle support pack. And we talk about cycle syncing on this podcast constantly. We've talked about it for years. And why it's so incredible is that oftentimes cycle syncing can be overwhelming. It's really hard to know which stage you're in and, you know, to kind of figure out what exactly you need to be taking. This is what Parallel does. They say, oh, that's a problem. I'm going to solve it. And they just came out with the cycle support pack. You start taking the pill 
on the first day of your cycle. So it's literally, you know, you open it up like a little book. It almost looks like a birth control little package. And each day, you know exactly where you are in your cycle and the vitamins change for the four stages of your cycle. So you're getting exactly what you need. You're getting a one, two, three punch. You're getting iron ease. You're getting bloat relief. You're getting PMS support. It's designed to move with your cycle and ease the side effects and restore balance to your cycle. It's unbelievable. I'm also taking the conception support pack as a pre-prenatal that bundles all the vitamins I need to prepare my body for pregnancy and support my fertility. And I absolutely, without a doubt, do not go a day without taking the PCOS support, which has been life-changing for me. Exclusively for our Everything is Best listeners, Parallel is offering a free gift with purchase. The first 100 people to use this code will receive a free urinary tract support powder when you buy Parallel's conception support pack or cycle support pack. So head to Parallel.co, that's P-E-R-E-L-E-L.co and use code PIA podcast to get your free gift. How did you end up at John Oliver? I talk about this sometimes. It's like off of the internet because I used to get emails about it. My first job out of college was working for the Weinstein company, unfortunately. Oh, I can understand why you would leave that off the internet. Yeah, yeah. But I worked in a windowless janitor's closet was where my office was, all the assistants. So I didn't look very long. I was like, like, I I didn't see anything. (laughs) Literally didn't see anything, but also would leave the office and like would stand outside to get lunch and be like, oh, my eyes, because I had been in the janitor's closet. It's a rough place to work. I knew what I did love about that experience was being in film and TV. The exposure I did have in those five months was cemented my passion for it. Mm-hmm. However, I knew even my 21 year old self knew that I was like, something funky is happening here. I got to get out. Of this really? Company. Of course. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, working in a windowless janitor's office, well, you're like, just you're like, something's not right here. So I left and I started applying for jobs and I got a job at, at HBO and they assigned oh. me last week tonight. And at the time it was called the John Oliver show and they had no idea what they were doing. And I remember I was actually like really disappointed. I wanted to be on Girls or Insecure or Game of Thrones. And they were like, no, we're putting you on this like new show with some British. Wow, community. to have those be the options and for you to get John Oliver must have oh, been I was really disappointed. I was like, what the hell? I don't this. But it was Completely. honestly, when I think about my career and like what was the most foundational working for John and being a part of a show that was just getting started that had no clue where everyone's opinion mattered. So even as an assistant, my voice mattered because we everyone was in a place of like, well, we need to figure out if this works. Wow. It taught me how to build, how to build with the team, how to feel confident in your ideas. John is a phenomenal leader. He holds space for everyone, even if you have something. It's so nice to say hear. That. Yeah, he's wonderful. One, a wonderful Because he person. seems like that, but so it gets so disappointing when somebody seems a certain way and you hear that they're it was not. An amazing, it's an amazing experience. I, I like, I, I pinch myself thinking about it, especially because they're still win- winning Emmys and I like mm-hmm. see they're on their ninth or 10th season. And when I watch it, I still see people I started my career with like in the credits. And now they're like the executive producer. Cool. I'm just like, wow. What was the day to day like there? It was tough. I mean, I will say that like, you know, you work, it was a minimum 12 hour day. So yeah. The stamina and endurance of working in television is the reason why I ended up leaving TV. It's just like you're literally paid on a 12 hour day. So I just found it to be it was exhausting, but fascinating. And every week, as I'm sure you watch the show and your listeners watch the show. Every week is a different subject. So you're, it's yeah. like grad school. You know, you're yeah, learning totally. so much about the That's world. So cool. 
it was such a cool job. I just couldn't sustain it. Like literally life-wise, you know, I was 23 years old, 24, and I couldn't go out. My days off were Tuesdays and Wednesdays. And it just like, you know, 24-year-old's like, I can't, I want to party. I want to live. And so I eventually left, but I only have positive things to say about that experience. I can't stop thinking about the people who still have credits that you worked with there, <laughs> what their lives are like, because they've been doing that for 10 Everyone years. marries each other. Like, it's so interesting. Yeah. Like, at the time, the Larry Wilmore show shot across the street, or no, across the hall, and then Colbert Report was around the corner and The Daily Show was around the corner. Everyone's dating and having sex with each other because we're the only people that had that schedule. That's so <laughs> funny. I think S- I've heard that like SNL is like that too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because you're just it's like... It's a experience though. And to be a part of something that ended up being what it was, I mean, like, wow. So great. And so after that, what was the next big thing? Was that uh, Museum of Ice Cream came right after? No, I went to Refinery29, which I loved. It was really amazing to work in an all-female environment like that. It was also the heyday of media, right? When like Vice mm-hmm. and BuzzFeed and Huffington Post, like you could... This was like the era of when those companies were thriving. But I learned a lot about myself at Refinery. I learned about who I wanted to be as a boss and what leadership values were important to me and how to run a company. I think Piera and Philip did a phenomenal job in in setting a tone of just like partnership, camaraderie, collaboration. Like people felt like they were part of a team. It's so nice to hear. To this day, like, I mean, we call it a graduating class, but like incredible people when I was at Refinery, have gone off like Serena Kerrigan, Alyssa Coscarelli, mm-hmm. Danny Georgia Greenberg, like Hannah Solberg. There's so many people who've gone off and had these insane careers and we were all there at the same time. And what were you actually doing there? I started as an associate to Piera, who was the Crave director, wow. now like family to me. And then I ended up becoming a producer and was on, you know, making a lot of video content. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. And were you building out teams there for yourself and everything? Yeah, I was building out teams. I was really at the birth of like when Refinery got on social media, specifically Instagram. Like that was like the brands were adopting Instagram for the first time. God, I'm probably sound ancient to your younger audiences. I started the Reformation Instagram and that's like my little claim to fame. And like, it just means that I'm old. (laughs) Yeah, totally. I feel you. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm saying this out loud. But yeah, it was the bur- I was a, a really shifted almost into that social media vertical, which ended up bringing me to Museum of Ice Cream. It was at the time when like being in social was the cool next thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. Ever. I think we're we are the last people who grew up without social, who integrated it into yeah. their lives. Where now every child, I mean, yeah, literally child. Yeah, yeah. I think I was in college when I got an Instagram. Think about. Yeah that transition and how it's grown and changed and how it will continue to grow and change. And I can't wait to get later because I know that you now have really good boundaries with it with work, which I can't respect you enough for. And so then how did you end up at Museum of Ice Cream? I had a colleague at the time who came up with this concept and she asked me if I would support with the social when I was still working at Refinery because she was like, you're really good at this. I see what you're doing with Refinery's Instagram. Can you like just help me, you know, with Museum Ice Cream. And so it started as just like a side hobby of helping her out. And then eventually, like what my strategy I was applying was working. And I literally could not sustain building Museum of Ice Cream Social and working at Refinery. But I did it for like a year and a half. No. Yeah, yeah, hell yeah. And then eventually Museum of Ice Cream at the beginning, it was just a concept, right? But by year year one, they had made serious revenue. So they were able to afford to bring me over as an employee. 
It was so, so I, viral so quickly. Huge. So to know yeah. that you were managing both of those things, I can't imagine that workload. Yeah, it was nuts, but it was a thrill. You know, I was 20 yep. and it was like, I was like, oh my God, I'm coming up with these strategies on social and I'm building this huge viral impressioned project that the world yep. is going in Beyonce. And like, this is me and little Madison sitting in my South Street Seaport apartment, like coming up with these ideas and the world is receiving it. Like I had like a year long adrenaline rush that eventually crashed and burned. But I was like, yeah, that was going to be, we're going to lead into that yeah, because yeah. I know that was kind of the genesis of a huge life shift mm-hmm. for you. But I'd like for you to talk more about that adrenaline, that intensity, because I had a lot of that too. And now I'm past it and can identify it. And I remember that feeling of like, yeah getting high off of seeing people's reactions and the likes and the things and the success and the da 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 But it's a lot of cortisol. <laughs> yes, it is. It leads cortisol. to a lot of bodily issues. So oh my God, yeah. Tell me more about that. I was so caught up in the wrong things. You know, mm. I, and I think that's what we're seeing right now with all young people who are caught up in the wrong things on social, right? Is feeling so deeply validated as a professional because I was building out this social media business within this very successful company. And all of a sudden the world is telling me just through likes and impressions that my ideas are good, mm-hmm. that they're working, that they're, people are engaging with it. I won two Webbies and I was 26 at that point. That's crazy. And so I was on this high of really identifying and seeing myself in my work as my value. And it got to a point where I started to have a lot of health issues. I developed severe pancreatitis and my doctors would be like, listen, like the only way that you can be having pancreatitis is you're elderly, you're a severe alcoholic, or you're like your stress level is so high that your body is like destroying itself. Wow, really? Yeah. Yeah. And they were like, we did every test, endoscopy, colonoscopy, like like everything. And they were like, what are the symptoms of that? I would get this extreme cramping in my pancreas. They thought I had gallbladder stones. That was so severe that like I thought my appendix burst like three times. I brought myself to the hospital and they're like, no, you're, you don't have appendicitis. Like oh, wow. you're some sort of gastro issues. And I changed my diet and I had cystic acne. I mean, my body was literally showing me all these signs that like how you're operating, existing in this adrenaline, go, 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 not sleeping, eating like crap is not working. And, and this was also a time when the company... Uh, had a bunch of very young people. And this, by the way, this is not a criticism. This just happens when companies grow and you have a bu- hire a bunch of young, cool people. It's like this thing is taken off. But it's like you didn't have a team. There was not a lot of structure. So it must have just been unfortunately no kind of chaotic, right? I mean, it just team, must have been. Yeah. Oh, it was chaos. It was no team and no adults. And you know, I think about it a lot because you see this happens over and over again. I really, I just read the, I mean, I'm late to this. I don't know where I've been, but I just re- realized that parade, that Cami was no longer part of parade. And I was like, oh, this is another example of like a really young founder. Yes. Is no longer a part of the company that they've built. Mm-hmm. And at what point does society need to stop and say, okay, like we need to have checks and balances. Like when a 24 year old builds a super successful company, we don't put any adults at the table. And then it's the company starts to go awry. Is the best move to kick them out? I don't no, know. It's, it's, it, I don't know either, but it seems tragic to me. It's tragic. And I don't know the infrastructure. I don't know. I will go on record saying I have no idea what it was Same. like to work for parade. I do not know Cammy at all. 
But I do think it's interesting. And I experienced it like we were a bunch of children running this business. There was one person who was not a child that I think is like the most responsible for the chaos because he was a full grown adult. (laughs) The rest of us were literally children and we didn't know what we were doing. And so the lack of boundaries, the just mishandling of communication, the sleeping with my phone, like on my chest and my Slack notification on, didn't know any better. And frankly, like the founder of the company didn't know any better either because she was also 25 years old. And so I look back on it and I'm like, okay, was it an unhealthy place for me to work? Yes. Do I think the environment was also unhealthy? Yes. Am I also responsible for my own burnout? Yes. Yes. And I think people really struggle with that, right? You can have a toxic work environment that is 50% responsible. Other 50% is how you show up in that toxic work environment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That I think is really hard for people to grasp and admit. And I was one of those people who put all the blame on the business and no responsibility for myself. Mm -hmm. And since I've moved on in my career and started my own company, it is true that actually a huge part of that responsibility is on you. It's on you as the individual. And I had to learn that the hard way. Mm -hmm. When I had pancreatitis, there was, I wasn't really changing my life. I was just doing the same thing and hoping it would last. And it it just just does. Did you give yourself a grace period of not doing anything for a minute? Oh my God. I like, yes and no. I lined up like one or two consulting clients as I was. Fillers. Highly recommend it. People are like, I can't quit. I'm like, well, you have to, you got to quit with a plan. Things I did that I recommend for everyone is I put a calendar invite on the day I was going to put in my resignation and my last day and I had my my family, my friends on this calendar invite. I said, Madison quitting, Madison's last day. So I could, I had to be, I had peer accountability. It wasn't just like, oh, one day I'm going to do it. I think when you make it this kind of like amorphous thing that you're going to do, it's so hard to actually make happen. Mm-hmm. And then I had, in my last 30 days, I made sure I secured one client, one client for three months so that I could hold myself over financially, whether I wanted to stay as a consultant or get another job. Yeah, amazing. It's hard. It's hard to manage those things. It's hard to find a client to start with, but also need them to not tell them anybody that you're quitting your job. To t- you know, it, it's yeah. It's super hard and it's stressful, but it means you can really leave. And you're creating boundaries and protection for yourself versus it's terrifying to think you're going to quit and figure it out. A calendar invite with friends and family to quit is the most interesting, smartest thing that I've heard in a really long time. It just was, I I read about how most people think that like burnout recovery is rooted in self-care and wellness. Everyone's like meditate, yoga, when like it actually starts with peer accountability, it's letting other people know you're burnt out and telling other people that you're going to do things to advocate for your well-being. Mm. You can meditate all you want, but if you're still operating in the same way and no one else around you is, is acknowledging it, the meditation might not help. So for me, the peer accountability was like, I need everyone to know and hold me accountable to that. I will leave this environment that is not conducive to my well-being. And I don't know if I would have if I didn't know that everyone else was going to see that if I didn't quit and didn't resign, maybe they would think I was a coward. And that's just like something I never want people to think Mm -hmm. of me. Mm -hmm. You can call me a bitch or all these other things. But I think like coward is probably... That's a tough one. That's a tough one. 
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. What did you do outside of peer accountability and I'm sure some meditation to regroup and be willing to start your next incredible chapter because I'm a true believer that in like manifestation and the law of yes. attraction. And it seems like you attracted a shit ton of good stuff <laughs> pretty quickly. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, you're a, a clearly very talented, but outside of that, you're a, energetically, it seemed like you had shifted. So how did you get there? Yeah. You know, I, I start putting my phone, I still do this. And now everyone in my life knows that I'm okay. So don't freak out if you don't hear from me. But I put my phone in airplane mode at like 10. Mm. And then I turn it back on at like when I wake up. No, after I meditate and do my morning routine. So probably around like 8, 8.30. Really? And, yeah. And, you know, I used to be so attached to my phone. Like I was so like, attached I, to my phone. oh, and I used to say all the time, well, if someone dies, like if someone dies, I need to be available. I need them to be able to tell me. And I had a friend of mine say, well, if someone dies, like it's not going to be any better if you learn about it at 11 p.m. or at eight in the morning. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I guess that's true. Mm. Not like he can save them either. Yeah. You know I mean, it's, yeah, it he, is what it is. It is what it is. And so he was like, you know, maybe like if this means you're going to be well rested and take care of yourself. And he was like, God forbid, like, that's not something that happens to you often where some tragedy happens like that. Like, why don't you just yeah. give it a chance? I feel privileged in that way. But so I did. And that's been the practice that I implemented after I left museum of ice cream and I still do it. I'm an airplane mode girl. It means I get to decide when my day starts. What do you do at 10 o'clock at night? Do you read? I love to read. I read. You seem like a reader. You seem like you don't watch bad TV. You seem like a chic fucking reader. I definitely watch bad TV. I watch bad TV when my fiance is not home because he like can't handle Real Housewives. My husband's the same. Yeah, he's like, please, anything else. But then he'll secretly be like, wait, so Teresa actually said that? And I'm like, yes. (laughs) No, my fiance would be like, 
I'll come home and he's watching a thousand pound sisters. And I'm like, <laughs> what? I can't watch Real Housewives of Madame. But you're watching some TLC garbage. <laughs> TLC is a dumpster fire. It's a dumpster fire. And it's a problem because my sister and I share a Hulu account and she literally watches the, it's whatever she's like, he'll just press play. He's like, I don't know, your sister's watching the next season of A Thousand Pound Sisters. So I turned it on. I love life. your sister, by the way. Your parents must be so cool because you These girls are so divine. She, she keeps going viral on TikTok for her like hilarious random videos. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. I ask her advice on things all the time. I'm like, what product? She's just divine. She gets photos of like grown men who like take a close-up of their pimple and they're like, what do I do? It's crazy. The internet is insane. She's like, I can't tell anything from just this close-up of your pimple. (laughs) Men are so funny. People are cute. People want to connect. They won't need information. They're doing it honestly. You know what I mean? Like it's you in like, help me. So talk to me about starting your own creative agency. I mean, it's unbelievable. Look, being a business owner is hard, as you know. Mm-hmm. It's so much work. And I never actually thought of myself as an entrepreneur. Like, truly, it was never like a life passion of mine was to start a business. I don't know. I, I was like really comfortable working in other corporate well, you're creative. Yes, but I am a creative. So I've, I always thought of my creative work as like separate in my own art totally. it's like something totally. that I make a living yeah. off of so when I left Easy Advisor I consulted for a while and took the time to try to figure it out and realized like oh you know what actually like I keep getting the same requests from people so I guess I'm onto something and have a unique POV. what were those requests a lot of it was like how do I build a narrative in my brands and like will you help me find out my story you know the idea of storytelling and brands was like only a few brands are doing it like Nike was doing it Ralph Lauren was yeah. doing it but these like smaller brands they didn't really think that it was like something that they needed to do and I think that shift happened in like 2017 2018 where all of a sudden storytelling is this like hot sexy word and people are like oh I need to have storytelling narrative all those like trendy so words as a brand you know mm-hmm. And so I had just built that museum of ice cream. Like, let's be real. It was like a fucking ice cream museum that I was like, Sally, like, it's the world's imagination and creativity, yeah. like, whatever bullshit I was coming up with. Mm-hmm. And people were bullshit. Absolutely. So, you know, it opened this door for me to help brands find their core narratives and their strategy. And so we started as a social media firm. And then I and everyone that I brought on hated working in social media so you close that down completely. And now we're exclusively brand strategy and design. How did that conversation happen, by the way? Because I I, I think that's yeah. fascinating. And then like financially. I love this question. Yeah. yeah, because it's you think that that's so that's what so many brands need. Right. And for you to be like, I'm going to provide you with this incredible service to a brand, but I'm not going to execute this on social, which is what so many people are probably thirsty for. Like, I just would love to know every single detail about that decision and what that meant for yeah. you financially. Yeah, so it started with consensus of the group. How many people are working for you at this time? Pardon me. I can't say five, five of us. Okay. Did you have an office or you guys are all working separately? We had an office. We worked at, well, working space. We are working at Dumbo Works. In cool. Because lower, it's important to be, have creative yeah, conversations. We're doing like three days a week. We were hybrid pre-COVID, so that worked to our advantage. But COVID hits and all of a sudden every brand is like, shit, I can't have my event. I can't have my experience. And so we had an influx, an incredible year, sure? 2020 like amazing year for us, but it was burning all of us out. And I think all of us, frankly, had quite a lot of PTSD from having such high demand and 
also the scarcity of the world and the fear of the world is just like a really tough combination to be succeeding while the whole world is struggling. It was very emotionally draining for all of us. And so we voted as a team of like, what did we enjoy doing? And we've always done branding, but it was like 30% of our business and, you know, one-offs. And so I asked everybody to basically vote and say, do they enjoy working in social media? I think the question is like, do you enjoy working in social media? Do you feel fulfilled by working in social media? Where do you want to spend your time? And it was like, no, no branding. Wow. With, and by the way, and, you only employ females, correct? Yes. Female identifying folk. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, anyone, everyone can apply. I would say that the people who've gotten the job and work for me are women. But so after we got the vote, it was just about transitioning the business. Mm-hmm. So it were 70% social, 30% branding. Wow. That must God, have been so scary. And God bless you for knowing, for taking a huge financial risk for the benefit of your five employees. Terrifying. It was terrifying. 70%, 30. I was like, okay, probably by the end of the year, we could get 50, 50, maybe 40, 60. We got to 40, 60, 40 branding, 60 social. And I had to make a really tough decision, which is I was like, I think I'm going to have to go get a job. No. In, in order to transition this company. So I took a job as an SVP of, of, at a big agency in New York for a year. And wow. I worked at an SVP and we transitioned the business over a year. And that was 2021. And so we've been officially just branding and design, branding strategy and design since 2021 for the past two years almost. But it was a sacrifice. And I think that a lot of people underestimate what you have to do as a business owner if you really believe in something. Mm-hmm. And it was a sacrifice. And I think it was specifically with millennials. I hear a lot of time millennials like, I don't pay myself to pay my team. That's not actually good advice. And whoever's telling you that, is not telling you the right thing. When you get on a plane, everyone says, put your mask on before you put on the next. (laughs) So if you're not paying yourself, but you're paying 10 people, you're not actually serving yourself. So I went and took a job where I made a lot of fucking money. I was like, okay, if I'm going to manage both, I need to be making so much money at this company that I'm going to go take this job in, that it's going to compensate for me comfortably so that I can take out that cost of me and the business that the business can have reserves to be able to build this other, you know, revenue building stream of the company. Yeah, yeah. And so it was hard. It was extremely hard. It was really hard. I went to go work for a bunch of dudes, you know, after having worked for myself in an all-female team. It was It's rough. so funny to think about you being in like bro advertising while managing your like beautiful female team. Oh, it was like back and forth. But you know what? The bro advertisers have a lot of issues. <laughs> so many issues. <laughs> I felt like I was a therapist most of the time to the men that I worked for. And I will say I, I was very fortunate. I worked for I worked for a really amazing dude and I had really amazing dudes working for me. And I feel really lucky. And a lot of people in advertising don't have that experience. And it, it was like through and through. I like it was a good experience. I learned so much, but it was hard. I was working two jobs. Yeah. For you. Really hard. So for people who don't know what like a branding agency or creative agency is, which is like literally half my family. They're like, what do you do? Uh, you know, and I, it's funny now because my like niece who wanted to like be in business and had this whole strategy now in school. And she's like, I think I want to do creative and like entrepreneurial stuff. And like my path, like my whole family was like, she doesn't know what she's doing. And now my niece is like, I love to do this. Or like, what do you, you know that person? And, da, 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 da. and it's, I'm like, it's so funny that it's all been flipped on its head. 
So I would love for you to describe like, what's it like getting clients? What are they really asking you? Like, how are you executing this? Like, who do you work with? Like, really like what that's all like. Yeah. I mean, so how I describe my business is really, if you break down creative agency or branding agency, we are a strategy and design firm. So we help brands just figure out, unpack their brand strategy, whether that's for the brand itself and who they are and how they show up in the world. Or we'll get a company comes to us and says, can you build a marketing or brand strategy campaign to launch a specific product within their house of products or the brand itself? From a design perspective, that means everything from majority, it's packaging, logos, colors, typography, websites. And so we do both. When it comes to finding clients and how, I mean, I will say a lot of it has been word of mouth. I've been very fortunate in that Mm -hmm. capacity, a lot of recommendations. But I also like, I reach out to people. People find that crazy, but I will blind reach out to someone or I'll ask someone, hey, I, I really would love to talk to this person. Do you know a way that I can meet with them to just share a little bit about the business? The naivete is that like, one day you're just going to wake up and have an inbox full of clients. Like you have to get out there. And sometimes it's exhausting. So I'm like, absolutely don't want to go to this like marketing dinner. You got to go. Like, I don't want to go to like half of the shit I have to like beauty influencer events. I got to go because it's an opportunity to meet someone that maybe is looking for strategy. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, is that specifically within the creative agency space, the creative space, I think what people don't understand is that 55 or 60% of grads from undergrad in creative fields are women. So we're leaving with degrees in creative industries. When you get to the professional career, every year you have about a 20 to 30% drop off as women get advanced in their careers. So less than 19% of creative directors are women. So it means Mm -hmm. that we're graduating with the degrees, we're starting at these jobs, but we're not moving up. And a lot of it is because all of these agencies are male owned. Uh-huh. Less than 1% of creative agencies are, are owned by women. And it's, it's going worse. It's going down. I read an Adweek article that's saying it's like now 0.8% of agencies are run and owned by women. And so it means I have to Jesus put myself Christ. out there because I'm not naturally going to be included in a lot of these boys clubs rooms. Yeah. For people building a business, like, I think it's just important to remember there is a level of courage of just putting yourself out there and putting in the reps and knowing what your one liner is and knowing what your value is and what you have to offer and, you know, showing up in rooms that you're really not invited to mm-hmm. making a seat for yourself. Mm-hmm. Forget someone making a seat for you. I hate that. People are like make a seat. I'm like, push them out. Sit this. <laughs> I mean, you must look at brands often and think to yourself, like, like, you really need to change the fucking J. Oh, like, that, the like, does that just drive you crazy? Nuts. Nuts. I'm like, no. Oh, my God. Especially when it's friends. And, you know, I, I try to not actually work with a lot of friends because I don't want to ever yeah. muddy the waters. There's a couple of friends like Brooke DeVard I, is a dear friend of mine. And I'll, I'll do design and branding work for her because she's just an amazing the human. She gets coolest. Yeah. She's just an incredible person. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I see brands all the time and I'm like, crap shit and when a friend goes to another agency and they don't consult me and then they show me the brand they're like what do you think I'm like it's if it works for you it works for me you're like you paid for that deck literally nothing is worse than when you see a bad deck so and then $150,000 later these people are spending crazy money on these terrible decks or I'm like someone just went to Fiverr it's bad what's the creative process like for your team so say you're like onboarding a new client how does that work so we have a 
really in-depth questionnaire and we spent a lot of time doing something oh, called wow, the, cool yeah yeah we want to know everything about you where you're getting in the bed with these people right you're yeah. built you're literally birthing a child for them so we start with a really in-depth questionnaire and then it transitions into what we call an audit so we essentially take a look at the landscape we do matrices we help them understand where there's room for innovation within the categories that they're looking to launch a business and add in their needs of what really is true to them and help them really understand, like, you'll really fit in in this axis. And then from there, present different strategic, you know, what is their core values, their mission? I really believe you've got to have a strategy and a brand core foundation before you go into design. Mm-hmm. You can't just design a logo off of subjective opinion. It's, mm-hmm. just, it's like you don't even know what you're building your brand off of. It's just mm-hmm. total fluff. And so we start with strategy first, get, help them figure out, it's like building a house, you know, like what is your foundation? And then you can add the marble and all the pretty stuff that makes mm-hmm. this house sexy and come to life. And that's where design comes in. So that's the next phase. And then before you know it, you have a final product. And how many team members do you have now? We're about 10. It's incredible. Yeah, I don't want to get any bigger. I don't, I, really, I think that's people's biggest mistakes is overgrowth. Oh, why it is for for who? For who? It's a weird ego thing. Like, yeah, you just lose the sauce, you know? You lose the sauce. And how many examples do we have of companies scaling and then needing to let go of hundreds of people? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's one philosophy. You know, people do think, you know, you, you fake it till you make it. You hire hundreds of people, you'll attract the, you know, I guess it's one way to say it's a law of attraction. I think it's a pretty risky one. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I, I like the idea of not getting too big because I also, what if I don't want to do this in 10 years, five years? Yeah. Well, you also, this started from the intention of not getting burnt out too. So, I mean, the foundation is have a healthy work life. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us some of the clients that you've worked on? Mm-hmm. They're incredible. Yeah. I mean, we've done everything from About Face, which is Halsey's brand. Mm-hmm. To say, I know just, the girls who did the Janine, who did like all the product. Oh development. my God, I love Janine and Dina. Those crazy. I've known Janine and Dina that. since I was in eighth <laughs> grade. They're Pasadena girls. I We live in oh the same suburb in LA. Man. Yeah, because Parts Dina also did hard candy. Yes, of course. She's a legend. And she's a legend. Unfortunately, those two hearts of gold. Love them. They're, They're so talented. It's so cool that they do so what they do. Janine is so chic. They're so funny. That's so funny. Ve- They're very Pasadena. Like that's, it's like, that's the vibe. It's like, let's have a cocktail. Let's like laugh. Oh. Let's hang out. Let's do this. Cra- it's like a, they bring like a lot of beautiful life to oh. where we live. It's really cool. Love them. There's gems, such gems. I mean, I'll never forget my first call with them. I was like cackling the whole time. Just like, who's part of these people? You're like, this is work. Like, it's unbelievable that this gets to be work. Yeah, they're so, they took me to dinner like a long time ago when I first started doing stuff. They were like, do you want to do something? And I was like, I'm so not even there yet. But like, like I know that they could just build anybody's dream like so perfectly. Yeah, I love that. I love that. You Pasadena folk are good people. Listen, I would love to be a New Yorker, true and true, like you. But I'm stuck in the suburb and so I'm making the best out of it. We got Elsa and Tom. <laughs> Elsa and Tom right there. Yeah, We're they're collecting our people. <laughs> we'll probably, my fiance will probably end up making West Coast move at some point. You can't leave New York. You're third generation New Yorker. Yeah, I'll go back though. I, it's like, I don't have babies in New York. I want them to like grow I up. I do. I want them to walk down the sidewalk, go to public parks. I think when they're a little bit older, like seven or eight, that's yeah. the dream. 
have them in California, have peace when you're pregnant and when they're young, and then like throw them to New York to figure it learn out. About yeah. You figured out some shit growing up in New York. <laughs> I know. I want her to have that. I want her to like be like willing to yell at someone who like bumps into her or like oh, yeah. not be walked down the street confidently, like have yeah. independence. Like anyway, I digress. Talk to me more about your clients because they're, yes. there's a long, gorgeous list. I mean, I can talk about the New York thing though forever. <laughs> I'm like, it's so much another podcast. Identity. Yeah, no. Other clients, Seish, which is, we just finished the rebrand for that. Allison Felix, a sneaker brand, which was a lot of fun. Cool. Um, brand coming out with La Roche, which I'm really excited about. I can't cool. say more on it. Very excited. We work with a lot of talent. And I think a lot of that is because we build brands that don't rely exclusively on the celebrity to sell the product. Mm. So, so often these celebrity brands are built and it's like the celebrity has to post. The celebrity is the one. And we all know that the consumer actually doesn't believe it. You know what totally. I mean? They're for this celebrity brand. So we do a lot of talent backed brands, even from brands that people don't even know are talent backed and a lot of food and beverage. It's just, it's been a good ride. Oh my God, I'm going to send you my Baroncini deck when it's done. Oh, yes. Yes. Redoing all the branding for that right now. Yeah, I'll give you feedback. I mean, I would never, but I'll email you like one little, just yeah, if you yeah, improve yeah. my, my, the font yes. I'm making, that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> I can't thank you enough for taking the time no, to speak so to me. Fun. Your career is so cool and it's so inspiring. And I'm like a true advocate for doing a million things before you find what you're supposed to. So it's so nice to hear your story. Yeah. And to get to know you, a friend of Elsa is a friend of mine. So it's great to be connected. It's funny that this is how we meet. To be I know. Cont- and that you're going to Singapore on Sunday. Because I sat literally next to Raisa last night, like across from Elsa. And she was like, are you going on the trip? And I was like, no, I have under 200,000 followers. But do you think I'm going on the Singapore trip? Also, I'm like, I'm tired. Like, I can't. Like, it's such a far. But it, some of the, it's a place I've always wanted to go. You guys are going to have the best time. I'm childless. So for me, it's like, and my fiance, our philosophy is like, do all everything. I said that and then I had a baby and we're still doing it. Oh, you still do it. You just, I mean, my parents still did it. They just, we just like didn't go with them a lot of it until we were I was always, people criticize me on Instagram that we're gone, like that we go places without our child. My parents left me at the drop of a hat yes, to go definitely. wherever. And yeah. they would come back enriched, more in love, super That's relaxed. Sad. My mom talks about the trip she went on my dad. Once a week, she'll be like, that one time we would take oh, yeah. that trip. Da, 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 da. She had her own life. It's so important. The last thing, my parents used to do this and I'll never forget it. They used to do staycations one weekend every month. And my aunt Fabulous. would take us to the hotel on Sunday. So they would do Friday and Saturday at the hotel. And then a family member would bring us to the hotel on Sunday. And then we'd have family brunch once a month without fail throughout my childhood. What hotels? I don't really remember, but I remember so being like, New York what do you hotels? mean? Yeah, cute New York hotels. They would just do these little staycations. And like in hindsight, I'm like, yeah, that's just, that's so important. It's so important to do things without your kids as much as it is to do with them. Still have a relationship, you know? Got to keep it up. Yeah, well, when we got pregnant, we were like very much on the same page as our relationship comes first. Going on a staycation once a month and having your kids meet you for Sunday brunch is the cutest thing I've ever heard. It's amazing. I mean, they're very divorced, but they were good. At- <laughs> yeah. In my head, that was in my head, but I was like, it seems yeah. like they had a great marriage. I'm oh my God, no, they they're like, so divorced. They got they they joke and say they got divorced when they started a business, but before <laughs> the business, they were happily in love doing their staycations. So mm, <laughs> that's great. All of my businesses are with my husband. All right, thank you so much. <laughs>
It was such a pleasure. You too. Absolutely. We'll FaceTime you in Singapore. Please do. And then when you're here, we'll all have dinner. Thank you for having me on. Of course. Thank you. And that, ladies and gentlemen, concludes this week's episode of Everything is the Best. I hope you enjoyed it. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that stuff. Maybe leave a comment. But remember, shitty comments are for shitty people. Go ahead and follow me on Instagram at Pia Barangini. And I hope you have a fabulous, fabulous rest of your day. Love you. Ciao. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.